Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. Shep Hyken here, and we're back with another episode of Amazing Business Radio. And I am so excited because today we have an amazing guest who's going to talk about artificial intelligence and the customer experience. And her name is Aliona Medelian, and she is from the Ukraine. And uh, we're going to get to her story in just a second. But a few quick things before we dive into this amazing interview. If you have a story, uh, an amazing customer service story, or you want to ask a question that you'd like me to answer, you can send those to me on any one of the social media channels I hang out on. And you know that's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and more. I run out of uh, breath just thinking about all of them. Remember to use the hashtag AskShep, and I'll answer your questions that you send it either on the show, in one of my newsletters or, or video platforms, or even uh, directly on the social media platform. Finally, uh, one other announcement. If you haven't seen it already, this is must-see TV. It's my new TV show, Be Amazing or Go Home, which can be found on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, Roku, C-Suite. Uh, and if you can't find it anywhere else, well, by golly, go to my YouTube channel, Shep.TV. We have little segments and episodes of the show right there. It's called Be Amazing or Go Home, which, by the way, coincidentally, is the name of one of my books. There's a bit of a tie-in there because we want everybody to be amazing. And we just, by the way, released that same book, Be Amazing or Go Home. It's been out about two years. We just re-released it. I have a new publisher. They wanted to put it out in paperback. So if you want the paperback version, by golly, go to Amazon.com and get it today. All right, into our interview. If you're ready, I'm ready. Aliona Medellian, your company is, uh, well, why don't you tell us about your company and give us a little background because right before we started, you were giving me the story about how you got into this business about four or so years ago. Uh, you've been doing research and understanding natural language processing for more than 15 years, but it's just about four years ago you started this. And... Uh, Go for it, ladies and gentlemen, Aliana Medellian. By the way, did I say that name right? Because I just love saying that name. That's a beautiful name, Aliana. <laughs> thank you so much. No, you did a great job. And thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be on your podcast. Well, I'm excited that you're here. So tell us about your company and your story. Absolutely. So as you mentioned, I'm from Ukraine originally, but for the last 20 years, I actually lived in different countries. First, Germany, where I did my master's in computational linguistics, and then in New Zealand for 13 years. And then now I actually live in San Francisco. Now, why? I think New Zealand may be one of the most beautiful places in the world. Not that the Ukraine or Germany or even San Francisco isn't, but... Uh, I, I've been to Auckland and Queenstown, uh, which, by the way, was my favorite. Uh, you know, I jump out of, you can jump off a cliff, jump out of an airplane. You don't need to sign a waiver. They love the adventure. And of course, I've been to Christchurch, Dunedin, Wellington. Where, where did you grow up or where did you spend 13 years there? <laughs> Mostly in Auckland. Uh-huh. So and, did you ever uh, jump off the bridge, do a bungee jump? I have, I have, everybody does it. So, <laughs> and yeah, you, they dipped me into the water as well, which was crazy. Yeah, um, fun. But I agree, New Zealand is super beautiful. However, about a year ago, we ended up moving here to to US and also mm -hmm. loving, loving living in, in the US, such a great country. Great, so four years ago, you started your company, Thematic. 
Yes, so I was consulting in this general area of natural language processing and to explain everybody what it means, because it sounds scientific, but we use it every day. So whenever you search for something on Google, for example, there are algorithms that understand what, are, what do the words that you're typing in actually mean and what do the pages mean, and then they make the match based on the meaning. So there are many other applications like autocomplete or spell checker in your Word document. So I was looking to start my own company and I wanted to pick an area where people really would use my skills to make a difference. And several companies reached out to me and they were all in customer experience space. So they were working in customer insights and they were interesting in understanding what, what customers were trying to tell them in surveys, such as net promoter score surveys or customer satisfaction surveys. These people really want to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And they knew that people were telling them in their own words what they liked, what they didn't like, what they could should be improving. And this is exactly a great pro problem for natural language processing to solve because you need to pick up themes in what people are saying. Because one person might be saying, hey, the staff attendant, uh, flight attendant was really helpful in setting up my baby cot. Another person might say, the crew was really helping uh, me with my bassinet. And you know, baby bed or bassinet, all of these are synonyms and you mm -hmm. need to be able to use an algorithm to basically summarize it all as the one thing that people are saying. So basically, you know, when I think of natural language protocol, I don't think of typing. I think of talking. But really, typing is, is it's a form of language. You're just writing it out. I, I mean, I, this, this is great. And so you're consolidating all these different statements that mean the same thing into one meeting that say, this is what everybody is saying. Yes, and then we also link it to a, a score, a satisfaction score. We determine the sentiment. So you might give a score of three and a half, but then there are some things that you loved and others that you didn't like. So we can pick up all of these nuances and report on these at a strategic level. And you were mentioning the voice, right? How it's easier to, to say uh, we analyze that as well. So voice mm -hmm. is converted into text and then it's analyzed in a very similar way. Great. So, all right, let's get into a comment that I have in my homework here that I was sent by you. Uh, you claim executives tend to blame customer service for problems, but your experience says in analyzing customer feedback, it's not about the customer service. It's a process that's broken. It's something that's not working the way it's supposed to work. And, I, and I'll give you an example uh, in my head, since you use the airline, uh, it's like the airline's late and, the cust and then the leadership says, well, that's bad customer service. No, it's bad ground crew planning. It's bad something else. I is that what you're saying? Exactly. It, of course, it depends on the company. In some mm -hmm. companies, customer service representatives aren't um, delivering at the level they should be. But this is a pattern that we're seeing across many of our customers. So we work with large companies like Vodafone and um, Greyhound and Pizza Hut. So different, different large companies that have a lot of customer facing staff. Yeah. And it's always easy to blame things on people and say, 
you're rude to our customers or um, your lack of knowledge and so on. But when we start aggregating the results, in a lot of cases, we're able to show that friendly customer service is the one thing that is driving people's scores up. So overall, people who work in customer service, they chose these jobs and they want to provide great service. And we are able to pinpoint exactly where are the actual problems are lying. So for one of our customers, it was actually in billing processes. It took two months for one person to update their credit card details. And this is just one example. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, here I am, the company, probably yelling at the customer, metaphorically yelling, sending them notes, emails, whatever, saying you're not paying. And the customer's going, but I keep trying to give you my credit card number and you won't take it. You know, is that what's, you know... I'm actually experiencing that right now. I signed an agreement with somebody and I have to pay them a pretty good sum of money. And I have tried to pay them. They said, well, just go on the website. Well, send me a link. You'll find it on the website. I can't find it on the website only to find out a month later, the guy says, you know what? I guess we haven't built that part of the website. <laughs> it's going, well, yeah. you need to take my money so that we have, so I honor my obligation. So you will honor yours. Cause I feel once I pay them the money, they are absolutely on the hook to give me what they promised. But uh, you know, let's take a short break. When we come back. I know you've got a story about Vodafone. Is that the uh, issue in accounting? Um, it was actually, but Great. I also want to talk about, you know, how, what happens next once you have experienced such issues and you need to call people up. Yeah, yeah. But you've got great stories and great examples. We're coming right back, everybody. Don't go away. Do you want to amaze your customers, impress your colleagues, and outshine your competition? Well, going from average to amazing isn't an out-of-the-reach goal. In fact, amazement is a habit that anyone can master. And I wrote about this in my best-selling book, Be Amazing or Go Home. And now I have some good news. We just re-released the book in paperback form. And in this book, I let you in on the secrets behind my mantra, always be amazing. And I share with you the simple practices that can elevate your game. Mastering these practices will help you create trust, build stronger relationships, advance your career, and much more. So now is the time to step out of the ordinary and into amazement. Be amazing or go home is available at amazon.com. So what are you waiting for? Make the choice today to be amazing or go home. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. All right, we're back on Amazing Business Radio talking to Aliana Medellian, and we are talking about uh, natural language protocol. Ooh, that's such a, a cool concept, but what does it mean? It means that machines understand what we're saying and can interpret it. And we've been talking about the idea of it's not necessarily people that are causing the problems in customer service, but it's a process. Something's breaking down, yet people are very nice and friendly about it when it happens. But you know what? If it didn't break down in the first place, then there wouldn't be any negativity. And it's not that we wouldn't have a need for a customer service department because there's still questions and issues to be resolved, but we wouldn't have to be constantly uh, metaphorically putting out fires, so to speak. So, Eliana, you were going to tell me about uh, what to do about this problem once we realize there is a problem. Yeah, so what happens when there is an issue like the one you're experiencing, ultimately you're trying to solve it yourself using some sort of a self-service 
option on the website or um, through the user interface. But when you're stuck, you end up calling the call center, the call center right? Mm -hmm. And this costs money to the company. So yeah. what we help companies do is actually understand what are the most common inquiries that relate to a broken process and, and then help them understand which, what should be the priority in, in which they should be fixing those. So for example, one of our customers is a bank and um, they're a digital only bank. They, you can't go into a branch, you have to call up. And they, people ended up having a lot of questions about saving maturity. So they were calling them up and we were able to say, this is one of the top three issues they ended up fixing it by, use, by providing the right information, changing the user interface, and they were able to reduce these queries by 43%. This is wow. the type of impact um, we, you know, Almost we have half. to get, exactly, yeah. yeah. Wow, that's great, that's great. I mean, do you mind sharing the story about Vodafone? Well, we already talked a little bit about this. They, um, this was the, the example with, with billing. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So there was an issue with billing and, and you resolved it. And, and how did that play out in the very end? I mean, what, can you give me an idea of uh, what percentage do we diminish the problem? Was there money to be saved? Well, they ended up increasing their NPS by about 20 points. 20 by, points? By 20 points. And, That's um, huge. <laughs> and this was, this was Waterfall New Zealand and they were, uh, constantly benchmarked against other other Vodafones. Mm -hmm. And we were able to show that they're actually better than Vodafone Germany <laughs> at some point on NPS, which they couldn't believe. But ultimately knowing which problems to solve, which problems impact the NPS is what helped them do that. Wow, wow. So I, I'm blown away by that. I mean, you fix the process. It's not just about being friendly and being nice but understanding the process. So uh, here's my lesson from this. You know, we've talked about journey mapping. We just recently had Annette Franz uh, on our show. And while she, to me, is one of the great experts in the concept of journey mapping. And journey mapping is at the high end where uh, the customer interacts with a company. But what drives those interactions is always happening on the inside. That's people, and sometimes it's process that makes that happen. And if that gets broken, the interaction point at the top, well, that's broken as well. And what you're saying is it doesn't matter how nice you are, how friendly you are. Uh, if there's something that's broken, you're not going to get a great customer satisfaction score, no matter how friendly people are. You'll get a better uh, satisfaction score if they, than if they weren't friendly. But why not fix the problem, right? Exactly. Yeah. All right. So let's jump to another topic. Um, let's talk about training. And uh, you mentioned uh, Greyhound. And specifically, as I look at my notes here, the Greyhound, you've got this great story about fun drivers. And by the way, Greyhound is one of my clients as well. I love that company and we work with them on their customer service and customer satisfaction. So this will be a fun one to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. So when, Grey, uh, when Greyhound and Thematic started working together, they were running this very long survey where they asked people questions that didn't actually matter to the customer service experience. For example. And so for example, do you own a, do you have a credit card? Right. Perhaps it might 
help in some sort of research later on, but it's, there's no point asking that. So they ended up, um, they also ended up asking them a lot of rating questions, like how would you rate your seats? How would you rate um, the comfort of the, of the bus seats? And instead what they ended up doing with, when we started working with them is shortening that service and actually let customers talk and explain in their own words, what matters to them, what the company should be improving. And they've learned things like the seat, there are not enough seats. So it's not about rating them on a scale from one to five. There were actually not enough seats in stations in the first place. So that's a real insight that we were able to, to then um, act on. Not With just seats bus, on the bus, but seats in the, in the yeah, area well, the wait for the bus. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Another issue, uh, not an issue, another interesting finding was that people commented a lot about the bus drivers. So when they get onto the bus and the bus driver is very humorous, they start chatting. Somehow it just makes the entire experience of driving on that bus much better. And this energy that this person gets spreads onto other passengers. And so they ended up picking, picking, on the, picking up on this and telling the drivers, hey, what do you do with the customers really matters and makes a difference. Keep doing that. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, how did they find out who the best bus drivers were and how did they train other bus drivers to do what these great bus drivers do? Well, they had the, the information about the trip that that customer took and, mm -hmm. um, and the comment, the, the, the feedback associated with it. And they were able, able to see which, station which stations have the best, the best drivers and, and then drill down into it. And you're, you're absolutely right. This is where this cross-training and cross-pollination of um, best practices can happen. Yeah. So um, I, the way we do it, when any time you look at like a behavioral style or a trait, and in this case, the trait is friendly and outgoing and uh, fun bus drivers. It's like, this is what we look for in a bus driver. So if there's a way to quantify it, uh, when you go to hire your next bus driver, you don't want to hire somebody that's the opposite of all of this. <laughs> they could be a great driver. Uh, they can be, um, you know, a, a flawless, never had an accident driver, a safe driver, which by the way, safety is number one more important than anything to Greyhound over anything, over customer service, uh, over anything. That's number one. Number two is let's take care of the customer. And uh, as you start to look for these traits, and by the way, that's why uh, the best companies are taking a look at every position. Uh, and let's just use customer facing positions as an example. We use Greyhound. You've got the bus driver, you've got whoever is at the Greyhound ticket counter. You've got people who are you know, kind of maintaining and cleaning up around there. You've got people that might help with the baggage. Uh, so you've got different people. And if you find out what drives, uh, what the personality traits are and the behaviors of these really good people, you can actually quantify them. That's what all these disc training type programs, Myers-Briggs, uh, Predictive Index, they, they identify these traits. And then you hire for those traits and you train and you show them, this is what you do. And, and it all works out. So uh, I think that's, that's very powerful. And, and the way you go about it. So you ask surveys. You're not asking for like on a scale of one to five or choose A, B, C, or D. You're actually asking open-ended questions, correct? Yeah, so um, in, at Thematic, we don't survey ourselves, but we recommend 
companies to to be open ended when they uh, when they run their service or potentially they already have this feedback in, mm -hmm. in certain places, whether it's call center recordings or online reviews. There's a lot of data that companies have. And at the moment, it just lies there. People get asked all the time to provide provide their opinions, but nothing happens with, the, with this data. As these examples, both with Vodafone and Greyhound and the bank that I mentioned, these examples show that you can use it to actually make a difference in both customer experience and the, and the revenue because the more people talk positively about you to their friends and family, the right. better the revenue. Right, right. Uh, and word of mouth is some of the best marketing. And how does that word of mouth happen? It's driven by an amazing customer experience. How do you know if that amazing customer experience is happening? You survey your customers, you find out what they're thinking, and you ask open-ended questions, and you get a company like Thematic to come along and analyze those answers. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, I've got a couple more questions about surveys. I want to talk to you uh, about, uh, well, we've got, of course, the one thing question. I want you to be thinking about that. What's the one thing you absolutely want this audience to remember when we leave? Everybody, we've got that much more. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Are you ready to be amazing? Of course you are. That's why you tune into Amazing Business Radio. If you like what you're hearing here, you're going to love my new TV show, Be Amazing or Go Home. Each episode is devoted to sharing ideas to help you be amazing in both your business and personal lives. We also feature an app or technology every week that you're going to find fascinating, and we always have at least two guests on the show. The show is now available on Amazon Prime, Roku, C-Suite TV, and more. So the choice is yours. Be amazing or go home. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We are back on Amazing Business Radio. All right, we are talking about surveys. We're talking about uh, natural language processing, not protocol. I don't know where I, that word came from, but I think earlier I used the word protocol, not processing. So uh, slap my wrist for that, and we just did. So, uh, Eliana, um, I want to ask you one more question about surveys before we move on. You mentioned earlier there was a survey that you were doing with Greyhound, and they were asking how comfortable the seats were, but a better question might have been, what's your experience in the waiting area as you wait for the bus, Only to find because you're not going to find out they didn't have enough seats unless you ask the right question or give them an open-ended question to give you that feedback. And so any other thoughts? And by the way, short survey, long survey, do you have a preference one way or the other? I think it can be a long survey as, as long as people can opt out and as long as it starts with an opportunity for your customers to tell them in their own words what they actually care about. What, what is the one thing they actually want to share with you? Ah. Uh. Yeah, I, I, I'm so frustrated and I've talked about this on the show before when I receive a survey from a company and it's like, please give us a survey. And it's like, I had a great experience and I get into this thing and I start to like, are you kidding me? Another page of questions, another page of questions. And then, you know, the terrible thing, I, I stay at that hotel again or I, I use the airline again or I, I go to the auto dealership again and they send me the same darn survey the next time around and again and again. And that's very frustrating to me. Yeah, airlines are notorious at this. 
Yeah, so are auto dealerships. And then, they, yeah. and then and there's no doubt that the uh, salesperson or the service manager pleads with you to give them a perfect score. It's like, you know, my kid won't go to school if you don't give me a perfect score. Well, now I, I feel bad, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so you had a story you wanted to share. At the break, you mentioned uh, a great story you thought would make a great point. Yes, so when we work with companies, we notice another mistake that they make is they take samples so they, or they pick out the anecdotes from the data. So specific pieces of customer feedback that are particularly snappy. So we worked with a home building company and that would design and build homes. And one person said in the survey, there were so many breakdowns. So they said, oh, I have a new fixer upper. So it's immediately something that stood out and got repeated all the time. Turns out the fact that there were breakdowns wasn't actually as important if you look at, at everybody's responses. And the actual issue was um, not being able to move in at the promised time into the new home. Mm. It's actually significantly worse than having to fix a few things. So, so, somebody, so, so basically what you're saying is that the executives were fixated on on something that wasn't as important uh and that was uh was it one customer making this comment that caused that or was it uh i mean obviously there's if maybe they all had problems maybe they had two or three problems we're trying to identify what's really the worst problem one may not be exactly. nearly as bad as the other but even if they say let's i'd love to get rid of all of them yeah, so you need to consistently analyze every single piece of feedback and assume that the things that people are mentioning are important and the sentiment in which they mentioned is, is also important and then aggregate it in a way that tells you what is the actual issue here that the company needs to address for all of the customers, not just for one customer that happened to have this negative experience. Right. So uh, one of the questions that we always recommend our clients ask in a survey, and by the way, I believe in short surveys, two or three quick questions like an NPS net promoter score on a scale of zero to 10, what's the likelihood you recommend me on a scale of a one to five? How would you rate your experience? Poor to excellent. Uh, you know, did we do this? Yes or no? Three of those, maybe four. And then the open-ended question, is there one thing you can think of that would make it better? Or uh, depending upon how you're able to manage the uh, system, if, if you rated me a, a seven on the scale of zero to 10 for NPS, maybe that triggers a question, what would it take to get an eight? And you start to give me, or you, the customer starts to give me information. And I have to be very careful because if I survey a thousand people and only one or two people give me this piece of information, it doesn't mean it's unimportant, but I can't be fixated on that and think that this is a problem for everyone, or this is a problem that should take precedence over something that 25 people are complaining about. But sometimes we get fixated on something because it resonates with us. And we have to be careful about that. I think that's what you're trying to say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you, you summarized it really well. Great. All right. So we're down to the final question. The one thing question. What's the one thing you want to share with us? You absolutely want this audience to remember when we're finished with our program today. Well, if you are running a business, I would like you to think about how you get feedback from your customers 
make sure that you let your customers talk, explain in their own words what matters to them and how you can improve your current services, and then have a consistent way of making sense of this data without any bias, consistently analyzing on a weekly or monthly basis what are some of the things that are the most important for your customers and make sure that you have this customer feedback loop central at your organization. And I think this is really critical and will help you succeed in your business. Yeah, amen to that. Uh, and I would suggest that you go back and listen to the show again because there's a lot of nuggets in here. And I know for me, I'm in this business. And when we start to talk about natural language processing, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we start to talk about AI, we sometimes get caught up in the technology and the complication of it all. But it's really quite simple, and, and I think you summarized it quite well. So thank you so much for being on our show. Really appreciate you, Anne Leona, and I hope that we uh, can hear from you again. You've got great insight, great wisdom. Thank you. Thanks for having me, and if anybody wants to get in touch, we're at getthematic.com. Uh, yep. I'm sure the link will be in your description. It will be getthematic.com. And ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up another amazing interview on Amazing Business Radio. I promise you next week we will have another great one. So until then, this is Chef Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.